From the studios of Teeing It Up in the Swamps of Jersey, this is Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling for Tuesday, July 7th, uh, the year 2020. Jeremy Schilling here, and joining us to talk about many topics is our good friend and a finisher at the Boston Marathon, Catherine Magnoli. Catherine, good evening. How are you? Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, it's it's my it's my pleasure to have you. The Boston Marathon being canceled. Uh, you're not running it this year, but you have friends who are running it. Um, what is what what was your thought when you heard the announcement, and kind of what's your lingering feeling here as we're a couple of weeks after the announcement? Sure. So my thought is. I understand. It's super disappointing to have it canceled, um, but I totally understand. I think that coordinating all those people and so many people flying from across the world, um, I just don't see how you can do it um, safely in the current way we're living in. So I think that the right call was made. I do have a couple of friends who are running um, and they, when the initial decision was made to like push it from April to September, they basically stopped, they were told to stop their training um, and then training, so that was like in mid-March, they were told to stop their training and then training was gonna pick back up in May. Um, so then they picked their training back up and then the decision was made to do it virtually um, and I just give them all the credit in the world because a couple things so um, running a marathon <clears throat> by yourself uh, with no crowd or water stop or bathrooms automatically set up for you uh, sounds super hard and I give them all the credit in the world for doing it um, also there's a huge huge difference training um, over the winter uh, than there is training in the summer so they're now going out and running their long runs by themselves so you don't have the people to chat with um, in the hot and humid weather um, which I just think makes it all the more tough so I give them a ton of credit and they're really strong and I'm really proud of them for doing it so seems to me, uh, Catherine, that you're looking at a situation where um, this is a, a, a passionate bunch and they are going to finish the job even if it's very unorthodox and that I, 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 I think part of maybe why there was a push to have a virtual marathon was all these people who had been training and wanted to do something and and especially those who may have been close or or in or at pivotal points in their training and from what you're saying it does sound like there's all this charity money raised there's all these people who have been training for months and months and then stop and then start again and it sounded like the organizers wanted to do something to honor that and to um figure out a way for people to run the marathon figure out a route, get that 26.2 in, and make it work. Is that the same vibe you got? Yeah, absolutely. And um, 
what you have to do if you wanted to still participate is you basically, they give you a week in September, which I can't remember the exact week, and you basically just have to go out, time yourself, prove, I think, that you ran it under um, six hours, or six hours or under, and if you send that information into the Boston Athletic Association, they will send you um, a metal, and I believe one of those, like, foil blanket things. We are... Super technical running term. <laughs> we are talking to Catherine Magnoli here on uh, Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling. Is there anything you want to, to ad- advertise, and I'm putting on the spot here, um, but is there anything you want to advertise in terms of the Dana-Farber Institute or, or anything else charity-wise? Um, that you and your teammates may be supporting during this virtual marathon? Because this is a new fundraising opportunity, I would think. Right. So I think, um, you know, Dana-Farber is a fundraising machine, which is so important. Um, You could go on rundfmc.org and learn more about it and make a donation. Um, And Dana-Farber, you know, people are so willing to give to cancer causes and things like that. But I think it is ultimately a huge hit for some of the smaller charities that, you know, have teams of maybe 10 runners um, who really count on this fundraising um, for their budgets for the year. So I just hope that all the smaller organizations continue um, to get the donations in and that people still, you know, if I had to make, if I don't know if I could run a virtual marathon, so everyone who's still doing it, you know, more power to them. And my friends who are still doing it are awesome. And I've offered, you know, you can use my apartment as a bathroom stop. I can put out water, just like give me your route and I'll cheer you on. Yeah, and, and and that's the last thing I was going to ask about this, which is, is there a movement among runners like you who are not running but are friends with those who are to basically set up makeshift um, rest stops, water stops, food stops, cheering on signs, whatever it, it takes to, f- to help some of these people? Because as you said, running a marathon flat or sterile or sober or however you want to, you know, whatever term you want to use is a weird thing, which you guys are not used to. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's that rush of energy and it's that surge of emotion built off the crowd and you're not getting any of that. It's a very sterile environment. So has there been a move to, to kind of publicize where people are running so that some can help others in your general setup? I really think it depends because you can choose your own route. So some people, and I think the BAA has been very strong, like please don't go out and run the marathon route because the streets aren't going to be blocked. We don't want you getting hit by cars. So I think everyone's going to make their own call for the route that they're doing. I know um, some of my friends who live in Boston, um, but they have a vacation home in New Hampshire, are thinking of doing it up there because their thought is that it'll be cooler. Um, and I also think because you can ultimately pick the day that you run it on, like you have a, you have, you could run it any day of a certain week they give you, people are going to be doing it at all different times, probably also based a lot on the weather. Right. Yeah, it's a good point. This is that time of year where thunderstorms come into play and you obviously don't want to get caught in one of those. Okay. We're talking to Catherine Magnoli here on Teeing It Up. All right, making a 180 transition to... The phenomenon that is Hamilton. Um, 
Hamilton obviously came out on Disney Plus. For more on Disney Plus, Google Disney Plus, um, and you can sign up and watch it. Um, I I saw Hamilton for the first time over the weekend. You saw it in theaters and then watched the film version last night. So let's take this in two parts. First of all, when you walked out of the theater, the theater, what did you think that first time you saw it? Um, so. And yes, you can curse on this podcast. Okay, <laughs> I have been listening to the soundtrack. So I think I saw it in 2018. I saw it in the fall of, eight, of 2018. Um, it was touring. I saw it in Boston. And as soon as um, I saw that it was going to be touring, I was like, scouring the internet for tickets and um i'm gonna confess something and you're gonna think i'm really cool and there's no shame in this so i went by myself because you can find a like single ticket in a way better seat than you would be trying to find two or four tickets um and i was like you know what like i have this disposable income i don't want to miss the opportunity to see it when it's right in my backyard and i bought a ticket and i went by myself and i have no shame in that um i would totally go to movies by myself too uh first of all you have uh oh sorry to uh first of all excuse me second of all sorry to interrupt um, but all I wanted to say is that I saw Springsteen on Broadway by myself for the same reason. It was just the easiest way to get in the door and figure out how to do it. Two tickets was not going to cut it. It, it. it can only be one. So I'm totally yeah. with you on that. Doing things by yourself to be normalized. Like if anyone listening to this, if you want to do something, you should go do it. It doesn't matter if you have anyone to do it with. Amen. So anyway, continue. Sorry about that. So, so yeah. So I um, thought it was amazing. Um, I loved it. I have still listened to the soundtrack all the time. Um, and it was awesome. It wasn't with the original cast, but, I mean, anyone who makes it in a performance of Hamilton is obviously so talented. So I thought that it was amazing when I saw it live on stage because I I love musicals and I think there's something so powerful in just seeing these people like get up and just belt it out on stage. Like stage actors are so talented. Incredibly. Um, and, I, and so I was super pumped for it to be coming out um, on Disney Plus and there's not a whole lot going on right now so i was like this is awesome i'm so excited to watch it and the thing that i think was the most interesting to me is that the way it was filmed for disney plus like obviously sitting in the theater you unless you are like a billionaire you're not so close to the actors that you could just facial expressions they're making and things like that so i definitely picked up things watching the film version that I didn't notice in the theater. Uh, Disney Plus, all spelled out, dot com to sign up, uh, $6.99 a month. Um, I am with you on that. Um, I didn't see it, but I knew that if I was to have seen it, I would have been way back. And the shots Tommy Kale got on those off days, on Sunday night, all day Monday, all those shots that they couldn't do with an audience in there, um, and just the emotion, the raw emotion of so much that what happens in Act 2 and and all the King George stuff, both Acts 1 and yeah. 2, is 
it was, was just really amplified by those close-up things. Um, I have several thoughts that, that, that vary. Number one, I did not realize the play was two hours, 40 minutes. It's a, it's a, it's a long haul, but not in a bad way. Um, right, it's long. Yes. Number two, and I think this is something that's going to be underplayed um, when, when people look at this, is that this shit is hard. Rapping at that speed is hard. And the way they do it, and the way they can go from a slow song to a fast song and fit it in and the emotions and get your voice right eight times a week, that is a hard thing to do. It's a Not re- stumbling over your words. Yeah. Like it's crazy. And doing it while dancing is just, it's phenomenal. It's utterly phenomenal. And that pit orchestra to nail every single type of music that showed up in that play is just phenomenal. Um, number three, I did not realize, like, I knew generally how the story ended. I did not realize how sad the ending was. Yeah. And, and my question to you, Catherine, is when you saw it, in the theater the first time and and yes we have a soundtrack but you you don't know really sometimes what's been left out of a soundtrack and i just sat there after watching the end and i'm like god for such an upbeat show an up-tempo show an exciting show that is one sad way for this show to end and it kind of left you in a weird spot which is obviously what Lin-Manuel Miranda was looking to do did you leave right. the theater and and leave your couch um with this thought of god I wish there was a little bit more to this that was some kind of upbeat ending I mean you just feel like I felt badly for everyone involved and I think that's something that you don't catch just listening to the soundtrack because just listening to the soundtrack you you don't know which characters speaking when. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. you see really like you see you see like how deep their when you can see their facial expressions, like you see how how emotional you're totally right, like how emotional it was and how sad it was and how flawed some of these characters were and how I think something that really stands out to me is the whole theme of like well, history's watching you, and, like, how's our story going to be written, and the things that, like, we learn about these characters that we were never taught in a history class. And as an extension of that, who's going to tell that story? Who is left to amplify this story down the road? And that, I think... I think that's what's so jarring because you listen to a soundtrack and it's okay, Burr shot Hamilton, we know that. Um, And this is the song about, okay, somebody please tell Hamilton's legacy because it's a nice legacy. But when you see it in the moment, it's like, God, this is a gut-wrenching scene. And it's a gut-wrenching sequence of music to go with it. And then it's... You you juxtapose that next to not going to waste my shot, and it gives my shot a new meaning. And it just, the way some things come full circle, the way some things don't come full circle, it's very, um, 
it's it's eerie, it's emotional, and there's a whole different tenor to it that, as you said, unless you're somebody who won the lottery or was, you know, um, had the means to sit down really close and probably missed until they got to see it on film this past weekend. Exactly. And you also realize that it's like just as much about Aaron Burr too, who I feel like nobody talks about. No. (laughs) You know? No, I mean, he's, he's up there as one of the most, um, hated people or, you know, negatively thought of hated people ever. And, and there's a lot more to his story and a lot more depth to his story than I think people realize in the interactions that they had. Um, one of the things that I found when I'm sitting there is when you're a member of an ensemble, you've got to be a part of a lot of these stage changes. And these were stage changes that were happening at a clip. And what was really interesting to me is they're taking three days worth of performances plus extra shoots behind closed doors, stitching them together. But it felt like the real speed of the show. So now you've got this speed of the show coming. This rhythm, the fact, I I think part of seeing it now, part of what was able to keep this story together, Catherine, was the ability for the speed of the show to keep going. It helped with the attention span issue of young kids. And I think this is maybe why it's been so effective in schools because of the fast clip that it went on. It's a very interesting dynamic that you don't get. There really isn't that gap in time for a show to breathe. Right, right. And also how it's like, they do so much with what ultimately is like a very, very simple set and simple costume. You know what I mean? There's like crazy special effects happening. It's, you know, the stage rotates and people kind of wear the same outfits and the ensemble are the ones like moving the kind of limited amount of props around. Like sometimes you have chairs and a table. It's amazing to think we have arts and crafts going on behind us here, folks. I'm teeing it up. Um, <laughs> hold on a second. Can I just can, can I say this on air? If you are a member of the Rani School, please read The Alchemist by uh, Paolo uh, Coelho, uh, Grade 11, English 3, and Honors English 3. And please rent it from the Monmouth County Library headquarters. Because we just had page cutting for the first time in the 12-year history of teeing it up. And you'll make my mom really happy by, by, by borrowing that book. So, so thank you. What? Oh, this is the Free Original. Well, if you're in the Ranny School, it's probably good to read this, too. Okay, thank you. Live radio, Catherine, even though it's a podcast. Live radio. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what's going to happen. Um, now... But yeah, no, I mean, it really is limited things. I didn't realize the set rotated, which I think gives it a whole different feel because during a lot of those intense shooting scenes and and other um, moving scenes, it's this weird, cool, rotating aspect of it. And that, I think, played to the angles Tommy Kale was able to get on set. The angle that was shot from the back of the stage looking out like that thing didn't exist... The top angle definitely doesn't exist. 
it gave them some different looks that I also think played into how the thing looked on video. Absolutely. We're talking to Catherine Magnoli here. Um, and here's, here's the final thing that, that, that I'll say on, on Hamilton. As somebody who loves the show, who practically text screamed when I told you it was coming out um, <laughs> on July 3rd, as somebody who listens to the soundtrack, always listens to the soundtrack, is, is, has made this a part of your life for all these years now. It's been five since it's, since it's uh, been out, two since you saw it. If, where, when you got up from the couch last night, what went through your head? Because this has been a part of your life now for a bunch of years. What went through your life having, sorry, what went through you having seen this? I think what went through me was hoping that, um, some other shows could do this. So, you know, you have you have Broadway shows that have been made into movies and movies that have been made into Broadway shows, but nobody's ever, like, you know, take Rent, for example. Like, Rent was a Broadway show. It was made into a movie, but the movie wasn't filming the Broadway show. Yeah. And so I just think it brings in a really interesting element, um, and I hope that more things like this can happen. Yeah, I I think that there's a money aspect to this. Um, that Hamilton was such a hit that they had the financial means to pull off what they did because it's those mm -hmm. close up shots. That's the thing. You've got to have a, a number. You you. I think unfortunately the number of shows that can do this is fairly small because you need the close up shots. Look how much time right. you've spent on this podcast talking about the close up shots. So. To not have that, I think, becomes an issue. And that's where I think um, you would need a smash hit. You would need the Rents of the World. You would need um, the Lion King, Aida, something in that realm. Or, in the case of something like Springsteen on Broadway, you have a musician now on Broadway. Bruce is super rich. He had his touring staff run the thing basically he worked with his longtime video collaborators to figure out a way to film it and 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 have an invite only audience and you know basically make an audience okay with being unobtrusive sorry w w right. with it being obtrusive so i think there's only a limited amount of shows that can do this but those that can i would absolutely subscribe that it's a very unique medium and um and and it's something that I think we'll get looked at now going forward now that we've seen Hamilton's success and success that came completely, excuse me, from being on a, on a streaming service versus in theaters. Mm -hmm. And for some people, a whole lot cheaper than if they had seen it in theaters. Right. Imagine if Hamilton was an IMAX. No, I, that would be awesome. Yes. All right, um, we're going to now shift gears again to our loving friends at Bachelor Nation. Uh, Catherine Magnoli is here on Teeing It Up. Catherine, I put out a tweet uh, saying that I was having somebody on my podcast who is a member of Bachelor Nation <laughs> and the Kardashians, and what would you want to know about this stuff? And I got two responses, one of which was a head shake. 
at me. Oh man, I hope I didn't know the person. No, 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 at me (laughs) for having this person on the show. And the other with a simple question, why? So I'm going to give you the floor. Why is there such an addiction to Bachelor Nation? Oh man, I think it's many reasons. I mean, I'm not one to shame people for what's entertaining to them. Like, if it's entertaining to to you, like, power to you. I also think, especially in these times, it's, like, comforting to see... It's comforting to take a break from reality, and I know it's a reality TV show, but obviously yeah, it's ridiculous. And anything that can distract you from everything that's going on right now is just, like, a welcome blessing, and I will keep watching um, because of that reason. It's a distraction. You know, one thing I was thinking about, because uh, I, I, I had a feeling you might say something like that, and the, the, the thought that came to me, Catherine, was that I'm a Survivor fan, and... Mm-hmm. It's the format that gets me. Yes, who the castmates are is matters, but, but this is a format thing. And yet, when you think about Bachelor Nation, so, so for me, it's a distraction in that I get to be engulfed in this game and all the different aspects of this game. When it comes to Bachelor Nation, we're talking about love lives here, and it is about the people, and it is about who Rob Mills and all the people at ABC cast. Um, with Chris Harrison. So I guess my point is if you don't like who the Bachelor or Bachelorette are or if you don't like the cast, don't you suddenly lose your distraction or is the format enough to still pull you in? I mean, I think you just know that ABC is cooking up ridiculous situations and drama that you can still be pulled in. Now, there are definitely seasons that I've watched where I've been more into or less into either, you know, The Bachelor or The Bachelorette or the rest of the cast, and I definitely think that that, you know, makes a difference in how much I'm paying attention to it versus, like, maybe I'm scrolling through my phone, maybe I'm going to bed at 9.45 instead of waiting till 10, you know what I mean? Because two hours, or sometimes when they do, like, multiple times a week for multiple hours, like, wow, ABC, that is a lot. So (laughs) I think that it plays into it, but ABC, you know, I never put it past them, like the Kardashians, to just cook up situations and drama that's going to pull you in even if you hate the people. You know, it's like, it's like looking at a car accident. You, it's like a train wreck. But you're, you can't look away. What is the appeal of the Kardashians? I am totally confused about... See, see for some people, right, if, if you got in on the story early, I can see that you want to see it to the end. But the Kardashians, in their own ways, keep building an audience. What's the hook? What keeps people coming back? Well, I mean, I think they're famous for being famous, and I completely think that, like, so much of the stuff that happens to them, the crazy stuff that happens to them, is, like, Kris Jenner pulling strings and making these situations happen, but, again, you just can't, like, you can't look away. And no new, like, there's no new shows coming out, you know what I mean? So... Like these, like something like The Bachelor and The Kardashians, you, well, The Kardashians, 
I don't know what they're doing right now, but if they're, you know, you could have a film through quarantine in your house and then only film you in the same way that The Bachelor right now is just recutting all of, like, so many seasons of footage to show the greatest of all time. Um, you can you can do formats of those shows in this time because there's just so much footage to be gone through. I guess, let me put it another way. Um, and kind of uh, flip it around a little bit. Um, which is, is it, because I think that when you, when you look at the Kardashians and you look at Below Deck, it's about the Kardashian family and it's about the Below Deck crew. You've got these two groups of audiences, sorry, these two groups of people and people like following the group. But there's the initial hook that got them in. And I think what you're saying is that the hook that got people in on, on the Kardashians was maybe word of mouth, was maybe who the heck are these people who are so famous, who have this crazy show that everybody talks about that Ryan Seacrest helped found that had, you know, a former Olympian and everything that has gone on with Bruce Jenner, um, that it that I got to check this out and see what it's all about. Is that kind of what it is? Maybe the Jersey Shoring effect of sorts? Oh, I think so. And then I think it's also like you, I mean, not that people are browsing in stores right now, but you hear something come out online and it's like, oh, this major thing just happened to Kim Kardashian, blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, well, I know I'm going to be able to see it on the show in three months. So I'm going to tune in to see like what else this headline, what else happened that this headline isn't giving me. And what I think is related to this is then the fact that you have a setup with Kanye West. This is not a politics show, teeing it up. But when you saw that he announced this weekend that he's running for president, and in the context of the Kardashians, and in the context of the fact that he has a new song coming out, and I have no idea how big is how, how big or small his involvement is with the Kardashian shows and franchises. Um, what was your thought that went through your head? Um, I mean, I think that I'm not I'm not for or against Kanye as a person. Like, I'm not super into rap music, so I think he's kind of out there, but. I don't have a huge problem with him, and I've always been of the thought that, like, him and Kanye's marriage is much like I feel the same way about Jay-Z and Beyonce. It's just a business deal. Like, it's just a business transaction. It's not really, like, a... They're probably fine with each other, but I don't think they're in love with each other. I think that they are married to each other because it promotes both of them. So, then, is there going to be a divorce down the line? I mean, I... I... I wouldn't be shocked only because I think that Kim, it's like good for the show, but I also think Kim is probably getting a little tired of this. I would have to imagine. But it makes her in TV. 
I, I, I would have to imagine that when you live in the Kanye universe, um, it, it, you never know what the next day is going to bring, and that, that could be a scary proposition for somebody. Conversely, in my opinion, and, and, and this is just my two cents, I think I, I could see a case where Kim and Kanye um, is, 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 is a business transaction marriage. Jay-Z and Beyonce have been together now so long that I can't see how that would be just for business. Yes, it elevates their brands, but they still have two very distinct and different brands. And I think that that is, and and the whole Beyonce aura is very different than anything else. So I, that is curious to me. Um, they've been married... Um, they married in in 08, so now it's 12 years. Um, it, it, it was 12 years this April. I mean, that's a long time to be with somebody if it's for a business decision. I'm not sure what your thoughts are, but those are my two cents. Well, I mean, and I'm not saying that this doesn't happen all the time to celebrities and non-celebrities, but he did cheat on her, which is why we have lemonade. Yes, that that is true. There was, right. So I guess there's a difference between cheating and problems in the relationship and purely and a business. That's going to be a huge album off of that. Right. And, or versus, oh, so, okay, so let's back up for a second. You're taking Jay-Z's cheating and, and Kim, sorry, uh, Beyonce turned that into Lemonade, became such a smash hit both visually and audio-wise. And that's the example of what could be the business decision. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Food for thought. Exactly. Definitely food for thought. They, uh, they started their relationship in 02. So that's, uh, 18 years of, uh, of, being together it's a long time so yeah. and i definitely i don't think they see each other i'm not saying that right I think they like tolerate each other probably get along maybe they're friends but they were like hey you know it would be awesome for both of our careers if we made this decision and we got married that's just my thought food for thought yeah it definitely is food for thought um is there anything else that you would like to add before we close up on this podcast for this Tuesday night? Nope. Just thanks for having me on, and I hope everyone out there listening remains safe and healthy and look forward to the next time. And wear a mask <laughs> for all the folks Wear a mask, wash your hands. Yes, wear a mask, wash your hands. And, and watch Hamilton. It's on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Yeah. They, they worked very hard on it. Um, go watch it. Uh, Catherine Magnoli, thank you, as always, for coming on Teeing It Up. And all the best to you, your friends, and uh, your your runners uh, in the journey to get this virtual um, uh, marathon in the books. Thanks. And thank you all for listening to this edition of Teeing It Up with Jeremy Schilling.